Let's begin our worship uh, with a song of praise. Would you turn in the Bible, please, to number 278? Amazing Grace. We'll stand and sing all four stanzas and then remain standing for prayer, shall we? to your truth. 
But we pray this confidently and thankfully in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Before I read the scripture, I just want to say a, a word of acknowledgement about Johnny. Uh, I was Johnny's pastor for, I can't remember how many years, over 25. And uh, he, he was not just a church member, but he was a friend. He was also a fishing buddy. As well, uh, the last time we went fishing together, he he took that beautiful GMC uh, pickup truck and he put his lab Lucy in it. And when we got down to the lake, he let her wallow in the mud, and then let her get back into that pickup truck without saying a word. And I was just absolutely. <laughs> but, but there was a lot of sorrow as well. I remember it started when Johnny had uh, intestinal surgery at the Old Baptist Central. And the, the weeks that he spent there in agony. And then sitting with him in uh, the trauma department at the Med after his uh, grievous car wreck, truck wreck. You know, that truck rolled 16 times. Yeah. And he was going down to Oxford to take one of his employees to be naturalized. And in, in all of that, Johnny never blamed God uh, he never said, why me? Um, he, he, he was truly a man of forgiveness. In fact, as we talked with the family last night, they were saying that, that, that Johnny's saying was always, you got to forgive. You got you to gotta put it behind you. And you know, that's one of the essential truths of the Christian faith, that that we've been forgiven in the Lord Jesus. And I don't know what you're holding against somebody today or somebody is holding against you. The Bible says to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. And, uh, and there was a lot of other pain that, that, that Johnny went through over the years. I remember he was waiting for a knee replacement. They wouldn't do it. He waited. He went through cancer. Um, he went through, of course, his, his foot amputation. What a, what a horrible experience. I, I tried getting up once out of bed without, with just one, one leg. That, that's nigh impossible. And, and he did it. And then, of course, his uh, fatal heart surgery. Frankie called me. We moved to Chattanooga. And, and we were heartbroken to hear that. John, Johnny really suffered a lot. And, and this verse from 2 Timothy chapter 4 really describes uh, what he went through as he fought the good fight. And I'm thankful for him. But I'm also thankful for 
for the one who not only fought the good fight and endured, but won, so that you and I could have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what makes this a day of hope. Let's turn our attention now to the reading of God's word and, and truth. And Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you the promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And our great confidence today is this, that regardless of what happens to us, God's plans for you will always work out good. God's plan worked out for Johnny. He may have experienced conflict and pain and sorrow, but now he rests with all the saints of God, and I give thanks for that. At this time, Becky Smith and then Nikki Becker will share a word of eulogy. He took a lot of my words out because I was going to say that I've always compared Johnny to Joe. Uh, all the trials that Joe went through, all the trials that Baker went through, and I never heard Baker say by me. I think Faith would say, like Joe, the Lord give it, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I go back a long way to Frankie and Baker. As a matter of fact, she and her Johnny introduced me and my Johnny. And I said, never held it against him. <laughs> continue to be friends. I had the privilege on a very hot July day, July 4th, 50 years ago, in a little white house on Airways Boulevard, I think it was white, mistake. I heard Johnny and Frankie take their vows to have and to hold and then stay forward. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death did them part. And it's been my honor to watch them walk those paths. There's been a lot of better, a lot of worse, a lot of sickness, a lot of health. And I'm sure that John and Frank will tell you that their riches come from Nikki, Mark, and Paige, and their four beautiful grand girls. I'm sure Paige will probably tell you that he's one of the richest men in the world. <laughs> And 
I know we're here today to, to honor Faith. And Frankie will kill me. Because you've asked me to speak. So I have to pay tribute to my friend. What an example she has set for all of us. What what a faithful <coughs> she has been. She stood beside him all the way, and I won't say her words were always sweet. <laughs> but neither were his. <laughs> but but they 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 stay together. And you talk about till death is a part. I watched her do everything she could to keep Baker here with us until God said, I want him. I'll take him. And they graciously let him go. To the kids, I want to say how y'all have, have walked out the commandment to honor your father and mother. They set up a, a great example for y'all and, and a hard one to follow. Baker believes the mighty big shoes and he's the, the toughest, most stubborn man I ever knew. And he and he stayed here because of y'all, because of his love for you. Um, I just want to encourage y'all that you you did everything you could. You loved him up until the end, and that's all we love the best for. And I love you, my dearest friend. Thanks for asking before me. That, that was not fair. <laughs> so, um, kind of going on the lines of, of, of what Bear, what Beck was saying, I'm going to read every word he wrote because I promise you I would. But I want to honor my parents too. And I know my brother wants to as well. So everybody knows my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary this July 4th. And um, for weeks, I started writing things for them, and I, and I just thought back my whole life, and Mark's too, and ours together. And I, I wrote them this text, because it just, it was never about y'all, it was about us for y'all. And I'm thankful for that. So I sent them this text. I've been thinking a lot over the past couple of weeks about your 50th wedding anniversary and my childhood. And my mind kept going back to the same thought and feelings, two words that sum it up. Thank you. Thank you for choosing to stay together when I know there was times it would have been easier to leave. Thank you for both having stable jobs and providing a stable home for us. Thank you for choosing to be mine and Mark's parents first and sacrificing, I can't count how many summers, spending time apart so we could play travel ball. 
Thank you for always providing everything we needed and most of what we want. Thank you for never missing any big or important milestone in my life. Thank you for still supporting me as an adult that really doesn't deserve all the love and support you give me. Thank you for helping me raise my daughter and loving her so much. I honestly couldn't, I could go on and on because you both have, you both mean so much to me and done so much. So in the end, I will just thank you for being my parents. Morgan, McKinley, Presley, Macy. He loved Morgan and I, but man, he loved y'all. <laughs> he never stopped talking about y'all ever. And if he went to Bible Society right now, he could tell you everything about everyone. Everything. So you go the rest of your life knowing Mark and I got a lot from him, but y'all got the best. And I'm proud to say that. So now I will read your words, Mom. John and I were married 50 years this past July. Was it always good? Of course not. But our love for each other and our love for Jesus Christ kept us together. God gave us two wonderful children, a loving and a loving daughter-in-law. And the precious birth of our four granddaughters, Mo, sorry, we give me Kuka, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Peppy, and May, he called you a little one. <laughs> His name for them. These babies were the light of his world, and affectionately they called him Bear. And as all that came to know him, they all knew he was Bear. John had many difficult health issues throughout his life, but always came out on the other side. He was a fighter and fought to live until the, to the end, but he was ready when God was ready for him as I heard him say many times. As I told my granddaughters recently, Bear had the most forgiving heart, which we all need to learn from. John was funny, but did not realize it. <laughs> he enjoyed the holidays when all the family was together. Again, sorry girls, Alabama football, roll tide. <laughs> Duck hunting, with Phil and Johnny Smith, Jack Clark and Jimmy White, and Danny Plummer. Fishing with Terry Hogan. Folks on the lake referred to them as big and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> we will miss you, my sweet husband, father, grandfather, brother, and friend. But rest in the fact, we rest in the fact you are walking the streets of gold and feasting with Jesus. As we celebrate your life, knowing someday we will all be together again, please know how much I love you and will always continue to. And knowing my mom the way we do, she had to finish it with one last thing. P.S. You promised to take me to Hilton Head in the Key West. I still remember that. Thank you, thank you. I 
but I think Johnny was the stabilizing factor <laughs> in your life. Right? He would often say, but Frankie doesn't think so. <laughs> it was uh, always interesting uh, visiting and being with them, to say the least. I want to turn your attention now to a passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The Apostle Paul tells us here how to die well. As good a person as Johnny was, he was not perfect. He is not our pattern in life and death. The Apostle Paul tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is our pattern in life and death. And the assurance that we can have of eternal life comes from what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Not all people die well. Napoleon said on his deathbed, I die before my time and my body will be given back to the earth to become the food of worms, such is the fate which soon awaits the great Napoleon. Napoleon's pattern was one of disdain. Some people die in despair. The great religious leader, Muhammad, Muhammad Gandhi, said, I confess my days are numbered for the first time in 50 years. I find myself in a slew of despondency. All about me is darkness and I am praying for light. Will you follow the pattern of Gandhi? Some people die with disappointment. The 19th century French statesman, Talleyrand, wrote these words on a piece of paper and placed him on his nightstand before he died. He said, Behold, 83 years have passed away. What cares, what agitation, what anxieties, what ill will. What sad complications, a profound sentiment of discouragement with regard to the future and of disquiet regard to the past. How different are the words that we just read from the Apostle Paul about facing death. These words were written during his second imprisonment in Rome. He had been condemned unfairly by a Roman judge and was waiting execution. Yes, this was the second time that he had faced uh, the reality of death. And here he gives us three principles for dying well. The promise of the gospel is that you can die with absolute confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let's look at these. First of all, he says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Some people say that the Apostle Paul knew the day of his death. I'm not sure if that's really true, and there's some debate about that. And I don't think that's the issue. The question is not, do we know the day of our dying, but we, do we know the fact that one day every person in this room will die? Doris Day, America's next door neighbor, would not allow people to say the word death in her presence. She was a Christian scientist and said that death is just a bad idea. Where is she today? She's dead. And I fear that she's facing God's wrath and judgment. The Lord Jesus Christ had already made arrangements for the Apostle Paul and for you and I at his death. With Jesus, you can be ready to die regardless of when that day comes. He used these words here, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. In the book of Philippians, he said, my life is already being poured out as a sacrifice to God. The word poured out describes the sacrifice that the Aaronic priests would offer as an act of worship to the Lord. You see, this is what changed the Apostle Paul's attitude. It was the fact that he had committed his life and his death as an act of worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> the Heidelberg Catechism asks this question, and I ask it of you today. What is your only hope in life and death? And the answer is this. It's, it's so beautiful, it makes me want to cry. That I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. Beloved, have you real recognize the fact that one day you too will die and stand before the Lord? And that can be a day of grace because of what he's done for you. Secondly, Paul says to invest your life in faithful service to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, and he uses three words here to describe that. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul's life was one of constant struggle. If he wasn't fighting theological foes, he was fighting the beasts and the wild animals in the Roman arena or he was experiencing uh, terrible tragedy and, and bad circumstances. But he, he fought. Johnny Baker suffered more than any person I have ever known. 
His life was one of constant conflict. And the verse is well spoken here on the uh, bulletin. That just, and it describes him and what he, was went, what he went through. But our confidence today is in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Because you see, not only did he face the conflict of sin, evil, and unwickedness, but he triumphed gloriously the third day and rose again from the dead. Paul says that he ran the race. Now, he doesn't say that he won the race. He says he ran the race. In the book of Philippians, he says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. That is, he kept his eyes focused on Jesus. Beloved, how are you running the race today? Are you looking at all your troubles and trials and difficulties? Are you looking at your successes and what you have accomplished? Dying well means focusing our attention on Jesus and what he has done for you. And then thirdly, it says, he kept the faith. Now that's a strange one to add with those two other metaphors, isn't it? But he tells us uh, that, the, that he was true to the gospel. The Apostle Paul was not an inventor of truth. He was a receiver of truth. In fact, twice in 1 Corinthians, he says, For I have received from the Lord what I passed on to you. We live in a day of cultural deviation where churches and people and institutions are deviating from the truth of God's word. Beloved, all we have to hang on is the belief that Jesus Christ died and rose again the third day. If you deviate from the truth of God, you do so at the peril of your own soul. Do not add to or take away what has been given to you in the word of God. One of the signs of the last times is that people will depart from the truth. You see, people who die well realize the truth about dying. People who die well serve faithfully the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 8, he says, people who die well hold on to the truth of eternal life in Christ. He says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That's a promise. He lived by a promise. Have you ever made a promise to your children and not kept it? Ooh, that's big stuff. My children always used to ask me if we can do something, and I wouldn't be able to do it. And they'd let me know real quickly. So I kept saying, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll do this. 
maybe we'll go here. With the Lord Jesus Christ, there are no maybes. They're absolute, guaranteed truth. You can face the future with absolute confidence because of God's promise. The Apostle Paul put it like this. I know on whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Beloved, have you committed your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to save you from your sin? We look forward to this promise of eternal life because of what Christ has done for us. Unfortunately, people today hold on to what they have done. But it's what Christ has done for us, and in him we are declared righteous through him. We look forward to receiving an inheritance which is a gift of grace. Eternal life is not something that you and I can earn or deserve, but it's something that's given to us by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The question is not, will you die or not? That's, that's given. That's going to happen. Death is going to come to each one of us here today, but it doesn't need to be a day of uncertainty and fear. Like the Apostle Paul, we can die with absolute confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. The hope of the resurrection gives us victory over death and the grave. With the Lord Jesus Christ, you can face the day of death with absolute confidence.
We will close the service in prayer, and then Twin Oaks will remove Johnny's body, and the internment will be at Twin Oaks. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing that you have given us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have made your face shine upon us, that you have been gracious unto us, and given us peace through the Almighty And we pray that you would go with us now. In Jesus' name, amen.